0: shameless the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff you're joined as always by melbourne writers michelle andrews that would be me and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and hello, producer Annabelle Lane. Hello! Hello. Coming up on today's show, M. Rada has launched a podcast that seems an awful lot like another show out there. Why James Corden was banned, then unbanned, from a New York City restaurant. Selena Gomez and Haley Bieber had a better plan than leaving a love heart emoji on each other's TikToks. Drew Barrymore says she's A-OK with going years without sex, and then the nanny has spoken. Oh God, has the nanny spoken? Which means the extremely messy split between Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis somehow just got messier. Oh my God! There is literally so much for us to talk about today, Zara let's start with an exciting announcement for the listeners. Yeah, we have good news and I
1: would say do the listeners want the good news or the bad news? But there's (laughs) no bad news! Well, maybe for actually people that live outside of Melbourne, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, we are actually committing to finally doing a live show after three years. It has been such a long time. A long time between drinks, yeah. A long time between drinks. I mean, A lot of that was COVID, so you can't blame us. But we are doing a live show to celebrate the year in review, to celebrate Christmas here in Melbourne. And Mish, I'm excited. We might be rusty,
0: though. We, I mean, I I just want to manage expectations, but I also (laughs) still want people to come. I love that every aspect of Shameless Media or Shameless content has just evolved to us being like, look, guys, we might not be our best, but just (laughs) like, just don't worry about it. Add 10%, minus 10%. We might not quite be up to scratch. But no, we are so excited for Shameless Live 2020 in review. It is on Tuesday, December 13 at 7pm at Melbourne Town Hall. There are two tiers of tickets. A very small number of tickets will be like a VIP ticket, a little meet and greet that will be a little bit more expensive. And then there'll be like the general admission ticket that will be like 95% of the seats there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now we're telling you this now because tickets are going on sale on Monday morning at 10am. So that's Monday, the 24th of October. So I don't know what any of you are doing then, perhaps working, (laughs) perhaps, sitting at home whatever you're doing put that in your diary we would love to see you all there in Melbourne I mean Mish we found it pretty hard in the last not just because of COVID but I think transparently we found it quite hard in the last year to find space for live shows yeah I would love to be able to do them more but I think the more we do this job the more we realize if we did them all the time we'd completely
0: burn ourselves out, right? Yeah, we would. We have a renewed respect for any pop star who goes on a world tour because I truthfully don't know how you do it. <laughs> I have, I've been watching
1: Dua Lipa or Harry Styles. Harry or, Styles! are like, they doing it? How are they doing it? Granted,
0: they're not running a little small media company out
1: of Cremorne. <laughs> they, they are also, I'm trying sure. to do that at the same time.
0: I'm sure they're also making slightly more money yeah. that makes it okay. <laughs> no, but
1: truthfully, we have really struggled to find time for it. And so this was, I think, us dipping our toes back into the water to see you know how we could do it if we could do it if we can pull it off so we're excited we're a little nervous buy the tickets 10am 24th (laughs) of october we will be so so grateful for you keep an eye on our socials and all the details will be there love
0: that i would love to say how was your week but there's simply no time there is no time i want to hear your recommendation thank you because my recommendation is (laughs) thank 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 you you so much (laughs) well i'm glad you said that because i was worried we were going to end with my rec and it's not the most uplifting recommendation I've ever brought to the show, but it is one of my favorite wrecks of the year. I read an incredible piece in the Times UK this week. It was titled The Heaviest Pain in the World, Rob Delaney on His Son's Death. Now, obviously we're dealing with quite dark material when it comes to a story like this. This is actually an extract from Rob Delaney's upcoming book. I sobbed the entire way through this story not just because the content is deep and because it is sad but because it is one of the most beautifully written pieces I have ever had the pleasure of reading and I just think the way Rob Delaney who is an actor and director if you're not familiar with his name the way he has written this and the way I'm sure he's written the whole book is like an absolute gift
1: yeah I've seen this Shed Fire and wide I haven't clicked in yet but everyone who I'm saying who has read it, is like, this piece is like magic. It's remarkable. It's amazing.
0: The level of, I would say, generosity with little details that he shares about his truthful experience of losing his son and how he genuinely felt is equal parts like confronting and comforting at once. Like there are aspects of this story that you read and you go, oh, goodness, that is very raw and that is very honest. But I think it will make a lot of people who have gone through grief feel more sane, I yeah. think, and feel more more human. He's very, very generous with this story. I also really urge everyone to go buy his new book. All of the proceeds from that book are actually going towards children hospices. And so I have pre-ordered it. I cannot wait to get my hands on it and read the whole thing because the heaviest pain in the world extract was – excellent. Uh, well, I will definitely click into that. I will read it perhaps after this. Yes, please give us an uplifting recommendation. <laughs> well, now. I,
1: cause I also have a recommendation. Now I've been a little dry on podcasts lately. I've been struggling to get into them I just feel like I've lost my mojo so I went back and was like to myself what did I used to love what did I used to listen to that I loved yes. that has fallen off the bandwagon it's
0: not coincidences and miracles again is it no and that's not at all what that episode is
1: called, <laughs> it is called no coincidence no story on this American life and that's the greatest podcast episode of all time <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway, sorry sorry coincidences and miracles it's not a miracle it's a coincidence it's that coincidence episode you always yeah, bang yeah, on about yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I went back and started listening to where should we begin with esther perel oh my god I knew you would think this because you'd be like why did i stop listening to that show too i love that podcast so i picked up on one of her most recent podcast episodes called we started as an affair and it's for those who don't know what this podcast is esther perel is of course this world-renowned relationship expert she's a psychologist and she records her sessions with couples and uploads them as podcast episodes of course with
0: their consent (laughs) imagine like walking and be like this will be content
1: I know (laughs) now this episode is two people who actually dated in high school they broke up they moved on with their lives they married other people they had kids with other people they kind of got back in contact with each other started having an affair left their respective partners and are now together and the messiness of that dynamic and them saying we pursued our own happiness at the expense of literally everyone else around us and how they speak about that is incredible. They're both (laughs) incredibly likable people.
0: I very much appreciate your description. You actually had me at the title. We started as an affair. This sounds so juicy.
1: It's really good, but it's also really smart. Like the way they talk about happiness the way they talk about the dynamics you know that they've had to navigate after that the way that (laughs) esther is very good at drawing connections very quickly from you know maybe childhood to now it's fascinating and it's definitely one of the better episodes of that podcast that I've listened to as well. So I was so glad I went back and started listening <gasps> to it again.
0: I know we don't have heaps of time in the intro. Can oh. I have one question? Yes, you can have, well, you can have as many. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have trust issues now, given the way they got together? No, they didn't have that conversation at all. <gasps> oh, bang a question, ish. that's always on my mind. Yeah. I'm curious for the listeners listening, maybe we'll put this in your say Friday. If your relationship started with an affair... And that's how you got together. For me, that would always be in the back of my mind saying, well, if I was capable of doing this with you or if you were capable of doing this to be with me, are we capable of doing it to each other?
1: The only difference I think with a scenario like this is when you have two people who are doing it together at the same time and it's the only time they've ever done it. I think their mindset, at least what I could glean from listening to this episode, was like this was a really out of character Mm. thing for us to do. We both found each other. We both had this affair. We both decided to leave our families for it. So there's a lot on the line for the both of you. Do you know what I mean? Mm, Yeah, I will be listening to this. It's not awkwardly weighted. (laughs) Yes, listen to it today. Let me know how you go.
0: Oh God. All right, should we jump into the first segment? Let's
1: start with the first segment because we are of course starting with Emrata's new podcast called Hilo with
0: Emrata. Yeah, you guys might've missed it this week because it's not as if this is a segment based on heaps of headlines. There were a couple of headlines floating around, but this is mostly something that you and I, Zara, saw on social media and had a lot of conversations about it late last week. Now, model and author Emrata, who has more than 30 million followers across her various social media accounts, is launching a podcast. Like you said, it is called High low,
1: yeah. Now the show's description is as follows: I am interested in marrying everything high and lowbrow by talking pop culture and happenings that may seem frivolous in a way that raises big questions. High low with M Rada will release two episodes a week plus a bonus episode for subscribers only. She says the main two episodes will consist of an interview and one that is more of a themed episode where she'll kind of have a monologue she said more in the vein of her essays from her book my body now the show itself has pretty powerful backing it's being produced by sony i I haven't realized that sony is going into podcasting
0: but i guess everybody is right yeah they've got a whole (laughs) podcast on it's called sony podcast yeah well now i know
1: (laughs) (laughs) now the reason is that This was a conversation point for us and certainly a conversation point in the comment section of her post is that it does sound extremely similar to another female-led podcast, this one called the high-low that of course so many of our listeners will be across because it originated out of the UK. It was hosted by two incredibly high-profile journalists and respected journalists in Dolly Alderton and Pandora
0: Sykes. Who we've had on the show, by the way. We've had both of them on because we are such big fans of theirs. Yes, and they ended their show at the end of 2020.
1: It's still a huge brand in and of itself. I think a lot of people still have a huge connection to that podcast. And I think the initial thought for us as we were looking at Emrata's podcast was,
0: how awkward and clunky this entire thing is. Well, God, it doesn't just sound similar. It sounds near identical. Now, the show description for The Hilo yes. is in Pandora <laughs> and Dolly's Hilo, reads like this. A weekly conversation between writers Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes that covers highbrow and lowbrow culture. Now, The High Low covered pop culture, but it also really focused a lot on news, current affairs Kind of anything that Pandora and Dolly found interesting. Here's a little more about the show's premise. Inspired by Vanity Fair editor Tina Brown, who coined the term high-low journalism in the 80s, our podcast is based on the belief that a life well-lived is one that enjoys both the trivial and the political, from an errant chin hair to Trumpian politics. Each week, we dissect and discuss the zeitgeist with stories from far and wide, from brows high and low. So as you can tell, with both descriptions
1: side by side and the name side by side, you could argue that these are almost identical premises, right? That's what I would argue sitting here anyway. And I think in the interest of benefit of the doubt, our listeners might be sitting here thinking, guys coincidence it's M. Rada. Yeah. she's massive she's got millions of followers how could she have known yeah
0: like she's in the us the high low girls are in the uk could this be a case of like different spheres she had no idea that another show was out there only pandora sykes has interviewed M. Rada, and not on some like small 15 minute podcast or something pandora and M. Rada have met in person because Pandora interviewed Emrata at length in front of an audience in a very high profile chat for promotion of Emrata's book, My Body Last Year. Like this, she knows.
1: Emrata knows (laughs) knows. about the high load. Yeah. And I think that's where it got incredibly confusing and tricky for me because I think the obvious conversation point here is the conversation point about copying like quote-unquote copying and what does it mean to copy somebody and what are the implications of that and i think in the sphere of podcasting or content in general it's pretty hard to be 100 percent original right people take inspiration from each other all the time i would say it's almost impossible
0: to be completely original For with sure. anything how many years have humans been creating content there's no original idea anymore everyone takes inspiration yes but this the goal
1: of this i will be honest has really blown me away sorry i went straight in (laughs) it is it is it's it's, diabolical it's pretty beyond that you can i get it like if emrata wants to talk about stuff that's high and lowbrow culture do that Do you have to take the name of a brand that was so well established? And other listeners might be sitting here and thinking, girls, the podcast doesn't exist anymore. Like, Em can take that brand. And to that I would say I find that alarmingly disrespectful.
0: (laughs) Oh, you just can't. Sorry. Completely disagree. What, just because they're not making it currently their intellectual property can be ripped off. Yes.
1: Fucking bullshit. Yeah. Absolutely not. So we, you can kind of get a sense i, know. I I'm like, Fuck me. We might as well get, oh, we're going to get sued for this as well.
0: <laughs> on on that. Sorry, just to have a more poignant point about yes. this. Not yes. just not just feelings, some facts just because Dolly and Pandora have paused on the high-low, just because they haven't released an episode since December 2020, does not mean they will never
1: bring that back in any way. Or don't ever want to monetize the brand that they built, which is absolutely their prerogative, but it makes it incredibly hard, I think, going forward for them to ever dip their toes back into that brand. Now, what was really interesting on the comments of Emrata's post is there were certainly people calling this out. There were certainly people saying, that name sounds familiar, you've stolen the name, or like a whole host of different perspectives. Journalist Catherine Ormerod commented too, and I found this interesting because when I did my little stalky (laughs) store, it did seem that she was at least within the orbit of Pandora they'd liked each other's photos I'd seen in a couple. cahoots yeah I was, Michelle was like they're friends I'm like we won't go that far we'll just say they know each other they're friendly yes Catherine wrote startlingly familiar name there is zero way due diligence wasn't made meaning there has been a brazen choice here to literally replicate the name of one of the UK's most successful and beloved podcasts by two of its most respected and beloved journalists sisterhood indeed there was another comment from a woman called Sophie Wilkinson who's a freelance journal who is is actually a friend of Dolly who wrote when Dolly and Pandora's High Low podcast started there was also a film production company called High Low doesn't matter what's in a name they were offering completely different things but the way the entire concept of formatting content seems to have been nabbed from two women you are definitely aware of (laughs) suggests a lot of hubris on your part not only that you'd be able to pull it off to such admiration and success but that you'd be able to get away with it legally speaking borrowing a name is one thing borrowing work done in the main without any support from a production company is a whole other thing sincerely i wish you the best of luck You'll need it. Um, Now I'm just reading these comments. I think for me, that's exactly it, right? There's so many layers to this, but I think a couple of key things that stand out to me is that Dolly and Pandora did this independently through our entire careers. They did not have the backing of production company. They did not have the backing of who we call quote unquote big wigs sorry, for, sorry for why do
0: we call them that i don't know they wear those really huge wigs yeah. i don't know like why the judges like. didn't
1: have big wigs in their corner they did this literally out of their homes and to have a celebrity with the kind of power and influence mm. of emrata
0: 30 million followers
1: and the yeah. backing of a production company too just feels so wildly wildly unfair i think the other thing that's kind of hard to you know make sense of is like how could you not have known i i i just i find it very hard and i will give the benefit of the doubt namely just so we don't get sued here (laughs) that that people may not have realized but if you are realizing now and a lot of people have drawn your attention to it you've got to change it but how how this
0: could not be on your radar is Wild to me. I'm very interested to see if she acknowledges this. And Rada didn't acknowledge any of the comments on the post. And I'm wondering if she thinks it'll just go away with time. And maybe it will, but if it does. I do feel sad. I feel sad that a very powerful celebrity who is incredibly well connected can do this to two women who started their podcast from the ground up. And being self-aware, I, there it is. Being <laughs> self-aware, obviously, we care more about this story than the average person because we have certain skin in the game. So it was that line for me.
1: It's like, oh, oh dear. With, now we're the center of this.
0: To be blunt, I'm not even going to pretend I'm unbiased. I'm so no, biased sure, when it comes to this because. I feel if someone did this to us no one's ever done anything close to this to us like I don't even know how I would feel about it if it happened to us it would probably feel like theft or like someone has stolen something from me
1: I yeah being self-aware about it too I think that's absolutely true and I am interested in how the average listener feels about this like do they care because I was sitting at drinks on Friday night with a girlfriend who was a massive Hilo fan And we were talking about this and maybe our passion levels were slightly (laughs) off. And she said to me like, what is it about this story? Like that is getting you really fired up. And I said, if I'm going to be honest with myself, of course I'm putting myself at the center of this story and thinking about how I would feel if somebody did this to me. And mm. I would feel devastated. I would. And I think, you know, podcasting is a saturated market, but God, I do think if we want to have conversations about feminism and supporting other women, this is sort of the the, the least we can do. I mean, truthfully, I've centered myself in this so much that I called our lawyer (laughs) straight away and was like, what, we need to get trademarked overseas because if this happened, I would be desperately upset. And I would imagine that, and this is literally me just guessing, I would imagine that the high-low the high is probably only trademarked in the UK in the same way that we're only trademarked in Australia. So legally, perhaps Emrata's not doing anything wrong. I would just say- Morally. Yeah, I do have- a different
0: issue with it yeah and as we've said and as we hope is really obvious to everyone listening launch all the pop culture podcasts or high low brow podcasts you want but there is a marked difference between taking inspiration looking at what someone's doing and saying that's amazing i'm going to take inspiration and put my own spin on this that is very different to that's amazing I love it so much. Let me just remove the the from yeah. my title and launch effectively the same thing.
1: I want to say one more thing before we wrap this up because what I can also imagine people saying, maybe on Your say Friday, is, all right, girls, well, like a couple of months ago, we spoke about the road thing. Hayley Bieber Road and the fashion label Road. And it's like you they're literally selling completely different things
0: in completely different industries. Mm. I do find that... Totally different. That comes back to the production company example that Sophie Wilkinson brought in. There was a film production company launched called High Low, didn't matter what's in a name. It was the content, the idea. And the similarity in what the actual thing is that's the problem. Exactly.
1: So I just wanted to get that out before that came back as well. But I have a lot of thoughts on this. And as we mentioned, Mish, I'm very, very interested to glean how passionate our listeners feel about you it.
0: You know what we should do? What should we do? Make TV shows about dysfunctional families like that TV show, Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> we should not do that. We are not going <laughs> to, clear, to do that. We won't do that. I was <laughs> wondering where that was going. <laughs> wait, wait, what are we going to do? I said about listening to a different chat. <laughs> Coming up after the break, why James Corden was banned, then unbanned from a New York City restaurant. Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber might just be friends. And then the nanny of Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis has done an exclusive interview with the Daily Mail. But first, a word from today's sponsor.
1: And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough lay and tumble lay of the oh. celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle? Oh.
0: You've been struggling with these for a you've long time. A,
1: you've got a glow to you as well today. So Alice say, oh. Michelle. Glow and oh, what have you got for me? <laughs> My first story. She doesn't know what to do with that.
0: That's the best way to play him. <laughs> Make him uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> James Gordon has been banned from Baltazar. That is from Vulture. This week, everyone is going wild after a popular New York City restaurateur named Keith McNally declared that late-night talk show host James Corden was banned from his restaurant. Yes,
1: but it was like the weirdest way to announce it ever. (laughs) He kind of, he's clearly jumped on Google. He's clearly Googled, well, obviously, James Corden, got a photo that's kind of blurry. Very boomer. Zoomed in, (laughs) uploaded on Instagram and just been like, This guy is banned from my restaurant. (laughs) Now, here is some context per vulture. Long a staple of the scene, Baltazar is popular with celebrities and NPCs alike for its decadent vibes, on-site bakery, and reliable executions of French staples like escargot and steak frites. The restaurant serves around 1,500 people a day and out of all of them, McNally calls Corden the most (laughs) abusive customer (laughs) to my (laughs) Baltazar services
0: since the restaurant opened 25 years ago. (laughs) Why? What the fuck is wrong? With James Gordon. (laughs) I can't imagine being the one to hold that crown. Now, Keith McNally's post went on to say that it was very rare for him to, and I quote, 86 a guest at his restaurant. After some Googling, we figured out that to 86 someone is like industry restaurant slang banning them or kicking them out of your restaurant now keith has said this wasn't his first experience of bad behavior from james corden and that apparently and i quote he behaved similarly in my former restaurant cafe luxembourg a few years back <laughs> well, Not cafe luxembourg
1: <laughs> so what happened well back in june he says, Keith McNally says, James complained about finding a hair in his food. Now, apparently he was extremely nasty to the manager that day and demanded, get us another round of drinks this second and also <laughs> and also take care of all our drinks so far. This way I won't write any nasty reviews in Yelp or anything like that. <laughs> I just
0: – like I cannot imagine a human I saying imagine get him. us another yeah. round of drinks right this, this second. This. Right <laughs> this second. And while you do that, pay for all my <laughs> drinks. <every laughs> this one. It's just so stupid. It's so Karen. Yeah. Yeah. So – McNally then also wrote about a second incident that he had with James Corden and James Corden's wife on October 9. This is only a week or two ago. He wrote Mr. Corden's wife ordered an egg yolk omelet with gruyere cheese and salad. A few minutes after they received the food, James called their server and told her there was a little bit of egg white mixed with the egg yolk. <laughs> the server informed the floor manager. The kitchen remade the dish, but unfortunately sent it with home fries instead of salad. That's when James Corden began yelling like crazy to the server. You can't do your job. You can't do your job. Maybe I should go into the kitchen and cook the omelette myself. (laughs) Now,
1: at the time of recording, the post had over 25,000 likes. And long listeners of the podcast will know James Corden... (laughs) Has a reputation as being a bit of an interesting guy. One of our favorite stories about James is, of course, the time he allegedly rocked up to a Writers Guild of America union meeting for late night writers and advocated for them to earn less money. <laughs> there is, of course, my greatest, my greatest, my favorite quote of all time oh, that's as a well. Big <laughs> this is my favorite quote of all time, I promise you, because in October 2020, other listeners of the pod will remember Vanity Fair did a profile with comedian Eric Andre whose quote about James Corden went viral. He said, boo-hoo, Ellen DeGeneres was mean. Who gives a shit? I never thought she was nice. She seems like she'd be like, fucking get me a coffee now. Is that what cancel culture has devolved to? This guy's not nice? James Corden is fucked if that's the only <laughs> criteria to get called out. See, it
0: is the best quote of all time. My favourite. I love that every time a James Corden anecdote makes it into yeah. the headlines, we can like revisit this history. Because <laughs> Everyone's like, we've got the context. We've got it 20 times now. <laughs> I love it so much. I I will never get over the story. And again, it's unverified, it's alleged. We don't know if this actually happened, but there was a viral story online that James Corden was sitting next to a woman and her baby in first class on a flight. Oh, yeah. And this person was observing, going, oh, okay, he's being quite polite. Like, he's just putting his headphones in, the baby's screaming, he's just kind of turned over and gone to sleep. How polite of him until that person realised at the end of the flight when the wife got up and said, can you please fucking help me with the overhead luggage at least? (laughs) This is your child too that James Corden had just been like completely ignoring his own wife and baby. That's my That is also unverified. We will put that as the record
1: as well. Now, just to throw a spanner in the works of this story in particular, the Baltazar one, hours after banning James, Keith McNally retracted his ban, publishing a second (laughs) post to Instagram that read... James Corden calls me and apologizes <laughs> profusely. Having fucked up myself more than most people, I strongly believe in second chances. He finished it up with, all is forgiven. James doesn't <laughs> need a second
0: chance. He's given two examples it's like, of him look, being like, Give a dick. the guy an 11th chance. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with him. A weird, weird story. Our second story for today's Quick and Dirty Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber hug in first public photos together. That is from Elle Magazine.
1: World peace, anyone? Because <laughs> look at this. Selena Gomez and Hayley Bieber have finally put to bed an almost decade-long feud rumour or rumours after they got quite cuddly and took photos together over the weekend and they very generously shared the photos with us. So... Mm. You're probably wondering how did it all happen. Well, they were guests of the Academy Museum for their second annual gala on Saturday night. And on Sunday, professional photographer Tyrell Hampton uploaded a carousel of the two of them with the caption, Plot Twist. Now, in the first photo, they have like their cheeks pressed together and are both looking pretty hot.
0: And <laughs> Haley <laughs> liked
1: the image from her account. There's another image where Haley's literally sitting on Selena's lap.
0: They are As up close and personal as friends as you can get. Like these are very amorous yes. photos. they are amorous photos and of
1: course they came just a month after Haley went on call her daddy and said she was still struggling with people trolling her because they think that there's beef between her and Selena and Justin and host Alex Cooper suggested in this podcast recording that they could end the feud if Selena just posted a love heart comment mm. on her photos. They obviously went one better.
0: Yeah, I think truthfully what's happened here is that I think Selena and Haley both saw the fallout from the Call Her Daddy episode. I truly think the Call Her Daddy episode was a PR mistake.
1: I agree with that. They think, should have done this without the interview.
0: They should have. And I also think the Call Her Daddy episode would have been far stronger if it focused on things about Haley that don't involve Justin and don't also involve Selena. Like maybe they could have touched on that for a bit but yeah. then moved on to Road or moved on to other things in Haley's life, like her modelling or her YouTube series or whatever – I think that was a big misstep. I think it did not resonate with audiences. As we said on the podcast at the time, we were baffled by the tone of the whole thing it was
1: it was a weird interview and I think you can say it's a PR misstep but I also think without that PR misstep these photos would never have come out yeah as much as I'm sitting here saying they should have just taken these photos and never done the interview I think it took the fallout from this interview for them to realize all right we need to nip this in the bud and we need to nip it hard
0: and our strategy of not really acknowledging each other and not being vocally friendly towards each other that's not working we've done it for so long it's not working madness is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result they've completely changed tack with this photo or this series of photos and good on them I think this is the smartest possible thing like whoever bravo to whatever publicist encouraged this I or the women themselves women themselves. what side came up with the idea first do you reckon it could have been ad hoc they both found themselves no. at the same event no. and then the Absolutely publicist not. spoke no you think this was pre-meditated Pre, definitely pre-planned <laughs> pre-plan. I'm, I'm just wondering like
1: Whose PR team called who Who choreographed the shoot? Because it would have been choreographed. It would have been like put your hand over her knee so it's even more cuddly because I think they knew if they didn't get this right and the photos didn't look enough, people would still ask questions. Who decided what photos would be published? I imagine on Sunday morning before Tyrell Hampton put them on Instagram, they both had to approve the photo shoot. Oh, yes. I I definitely think this was pre-planned. And I just, I don't think we'll ever find out, but I would
0: love to know how it came to be. And good on them for doing something about it because this was just clever. It was very, very clever. Our third story, a super quick one, guys. First look at Love Island's Taylor Demir and AFL star Nathan Broad's lavish wedding. That is from nine.com.au. Just a really lovely one. Influencer and Maya ambassador Taylor Demir, who many of the listeners will know from her... I was going to say starring role, but that is not the way to refer to a reality TV <laughs> well, she show. She did win; she won with season Mr. one of Love Island Australia with Grant Crap. In <laughs> was one of the weirdest reality TV storylines ever, because he had a secret girlfriend on the outside when he won. And by the by, I stalked him as research. for they still this together? Episode. Not just together; they have a baby.
1: Well, then I guess. I mean, who's oh. <laughs> Now, back to Taylor. Taylor has married three-time AFL Premiership player Nathan Broad. I did not put three-time AFL Premiership player in there. Obviously, Michelle did because he is a Richmond player. <laughs> Taylor. I had to hers- sneak it in. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor herself wore an Olia Laura couture gown. It had a V-neck with mesh sleeves, 3D floral lace and a long train. It was a beautiful dress.
0: Yeah, and it's a beautiful love story, really. These two have known each other for years. They actually dated when they were quite young, dated before Taylor was known for her role on Love Island and went on to get back together at the end of 2019. I just, I love the stories of people who are together young, have their time apart, and then come back together and get, like, it ends up as the fairy tale story. So you like the podcast recommendation I had at the time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little, she doesn't
1: love it all the time. A, a, little, when it's less cheating.
0: a little less cheating would be great. right, (laughs) fourth story. Drew Barrymore says she has not had an intimate relationship since 2016. That is from Glamour.
1: Now, Drew Barrymore, in case you missed it, has written a blog post, a very 2012, about her relationship with intimacy and sex. And it's a really fascinating, fascinating read. So the 48-year-old wrote that she had not had an intimate relationship since her marriage broke down in 2016. A bit of context, she was married to... A guy named Will Kopelman from the years 2012 to 2016. They had two children together. Now, the reason she actually wrote this piece is because she was recently on her talk show and the subject of Andrew Garfield came up and Andrew Garfield, and I didn't know this, but he abstained from having sex for six months in preparation for a role that he was playing a priest.
0: I only know about this because of a TikTok. I can't be smug about it, but yes, people were talking about this. He is like a method actor and wanted to get into the headspace of a celibate priest. I mean, that's
1: one way to do it. (laughs) Now, She kind of joked on that talk show saying, oh, is it strange that I don't even think six months is that long? And then she elaborated on her website in this blog post. She said, at nearly 48, I have very different feelings about intimacy than I did growing up. I did not have role model parents and I engaged with people in grown-up ways since a tender age. I was looking for companionship, validation, excitement, pleasure, hedonism, fun and adventures." And then she went on and said, However, after two kids and a separation from their father that has made me cautious, I have had the pleasure of shifting my focus when it comes to love for myself and my two daughters. I know that does not include a man nor has it for a while. In therapy, my therapist said something that I had to write down. He said, sex is not love, it is the expression of love. I have searched my whole life to have words like that to help me understand the difference. And now, thanks to him, I do. How interesting. It's a really beautiful line of thought. She said that right now being in an intimate relationship is just not her priority. She said, I am just in a completely different place in my life. And maybe in the near future, I will get into a relationship, but it simply hasn't been my priority. So I'm not a person who needs sex and has to go out there and engage with people on that level. I am someone who is deeply committed to fostering how young girls, my daughters and myself as a woman are supposed to function in this world. A relationship with a man has not been top of mind for me for very long. So she says, you know, No judgment, no matter how you want to go about your life, no matter how you've had a relationship with sex in the past, this is just my story and this is where I'm choosing to kind of sit
0: with it right now. She finished this piece by reiterating that she doesn't judge anyone for how they approach sex or relationships in their own lives. She wrote, so for the record, I do not hate sex. I have just finally come to the epiphany that love and sex are simply not the same thing. I searched my whole life for, which is to be a calm woman and not a bombastic party girl. Six years, I wonder if she'll ever have sex again or if a relationship is on the horizon for her. But regardless, she seems super happy and super at peace with where things are at. And I'm loving the talk show. I'm loving her being around at the moment. I love the era that she's in. I love Drew Barrymore. Our fifth story, Pat Cummins flies first class, (laughs) drives a fossil-fueled Range Rover and plays cricket in polluting India, yet didn't want a sponsorship from an energy company that didn't align with him. So please tell us, Pat... What are you in capital letters doing to save the planet? That is from the Daily Mail. Look, this is not really pop culture. Michelle and I were sitting at our desk yesterday, hacking
1: hacking ourselves at this story, and we were like, we have to talk about it now. To be clear, this headline appeared at the top of the Daily Mail Australia on Tuesday with big, bold letters stretching out across the main article that read "Full
0: Tosser." (laughs) They did not hold back. I just—they did not. No one held back. They just went in with the punches. Full tosser. Imagine clicking onto the Daily Mail, seeing a a collage of photos of you driving a Range Rover and on planes with (laughs) (laughs) the big, bold text, full toss-up. Now,
1: for context, people don't know who Pat Commons is. He (laughs) is the Australian cricket captain. He's got more than a million followers on social media. And recently, he's been pushing back against Cricket Australia's sponsorship deal with energy company Alinta Energy. And he's been citing the fact that Alinta's parent company is one of the biggest carbon emitters. Now, the team at the Daily Mail, for some reason, have been in their bonnet about this. They are like, how dare Pat Cummins take a stand? How dare he do that when he flies first class, he drives a car and he plays cricket in an area that is polluting itself. <laughs> the, the, Annabelle, you need to look at this article. The, the collage of photos that they lead with, there's one photo of him playing cricket at night and it just says, playing cricket under lights <laughs> <laughs> i am not shitting you that's how bad this is it's so <laughs> stupid now <laughs> this is how the piece also read Cummins comments are in stark contrast to his high flying carbon emitting lifestyle, which includes flying first class and driving luxury vehicles known for their environmental damage. The poster boy of Australian cricket once uploaded a picture of himself in first class, despite a 2013 World Bank study finding the carbon footprint of first class air passengers was up seven times bigger than those
0: in economy. Now, sorry. Sorry. I understand that maybe per square foot or whatever they're doing on the plane, sure, people in first class have a little more legroom. But are we going to take this to the level where it's like if you get extra legroom in economy, if you go like economy X yeah, or whatever, yeah. you are a bad carbon yeah. <laughs> it's like
1: You cannot fight about climate change at all if you've ever flown like
0: premium economy. Yeah, and like sorry, the plane's leaving anyway. Pat Cummins isn't jumping on like a private jet and adding a plane to the like, atmosphere. He's not adding jet fuel. He's on a plane that's already going to be leaving. This is just such a ridiculous long bow to draw. And the annoying thing about it for me is poor Pat Cummins. I feel like people truly read headlines like that and go, yeah, what a dickhead. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so unreasonable that he's demanding all these things. When when you really break it down, this is a high profile, highly influential man who does have power within Cricket Australia to demand healthier sponsorships for the planet cricket australia has now announced they're going to be terminating this Alinta energy deal early they've said we're only going to do one more year we're supposed to run for four years we agree with pat cummins essentially and the other players that pat cummins represents as captain of the team and they've said we're going to change our sponsorship so for people to be so outraged about that i'm like so what you you don't want anyone to speak about climate change ever you don't want anyone to try and use their influence for good unless they've never driven a car, never been in a plane, never played cricket under lights. Well, we've got lights on in this room, so, we're we're hot. Hot. so what are fucked. Yeah. doing? <laughs> what are we doing?
1: Now, my favorite part about all of this is in the Daily Mail article. It says, Alinta received a dismal two out of five stars in this year's green electricity guide due to their plan to burn coal to 2047. The local environmental harm they cause and their ranking as Australia's seventh biggest polluter. Their headline is, so Pat Commons, what are you doing to save the planet? <laughs> He's canceled this deal. That's (laughs) what he's done. (laughs) It's like, I'm I'm feeling a bit gaslighted here. That's for sure. (laughs) Is that all we've got for the quick and dirty? That's all we've got. Thank you, Next Bitch. Well, who'd have thunk it? It's another nightmare PR week for Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis after their former nanny who worked with them for three years sold her story to the Daily Mail. And boy, did she sell her story. She spoke about everything from the total dissolution of their marriage to Jason throwing himself under Olivia's car and Olivia making Harry Styles her very special salad with a very special salad dressing. <laughs> Misha, there's so so much to unpack here. So let's get right into it, shall we? Let's talk about when this story broke mm. and what it entailed.
0: Yeah, well, this was the talk of the shameless office, and I imagine many officers on Tuesday morning when the Daily Mail put the article up. Now, the nanny in question worked for the couple for three years, but has remained Unnamed. So How pretty sweet that deal. Off. Pretty sweet deal for that nanny that she, I imagine, would be pocketing pretty large sums of cash from the Daily Mail for this exclusive story, whilst also in most ways protecting her anonymity. I'm sure some people will be able to draw connections, some people will know. The vast majority of people won't know who yeah, she is.
1: I totally agree with you. And so this article came in two parts. There was a full article, and there was a video, an interview that we will actually talk about a little bit later but what i found hilarious is this video was kind of she was just a shadow and all over tiktok all i saw was kelly Clarkson. Yes. is that you did you see that yeah and it kind of looks like the outline of kelly Classen's face. <laughs> anyway now let's talk about the actual claims in this article because What the nanny said, and we do have to put on the record from the start, these are just her claims. These are just her allegations. Olivia and Jason have come out pretty hard and denied all of it. Now, the nanny said that when it came to the actual split between Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde, she says Olivia Wilde actually initially moved into a hotel in early November 2020 for a week citing COVID protocol while shooting Don't Worry Darling. However, a week later, by November 8, she had returned home and broken up with Sidakis. Now for me, that detail was relatively innocuous until you go back through the archives and realise that news of their split, if this is true, was therefore public in five days. Because on November 13, 2020, people reported that they had broken up. A source told the publication this as well. The split happened at the beginning of the year. It's been amicable and they've transitioned into a great co-parenting routine. The children are the priority and the heart of the family's relationship.
0: That is so... It's wild. Uh, yeah, pardon if, the pun. It is wild, <laughs> wild with an E. Now, yeah. if if the nanny's claims are true, that can't be the case. They weren't split at the beginning of the year. They'd split five days before. Which, for a celebrity couple of their stature and their profile and their star power is insane to me that five days between something happening in their personal lives and this breaking is an incredibly short time span. Normally it is months or a year or whatever before we find out this stuff. They wouldn't have even had time to tell their friends.
1: No. Truthfully, a lot of people would have found out about this through the news if that allegation it's true. Now the nanny elaborated on the split itself telling the Daily Mail on the Monday morning of November 9 when I came back from a weekend off Jason was crying a lot crying and crying. I didn't know what happened at all. After I got the kids ready Jason came upstairs and was having some coffee. He was crying in a mess saying she's left us she's left us. Mm. Now according to this nanny as well she says that Jason Sudeikis actually discovered after this that Olivia Wilde was hooking up with Harry Styles in Palm Springs where there were shooting don't worry darling after finding messages between the pair on her old apple watch yeah i would love to know how many old apple watches are responsible for these
0: kinds of things uncovering potential affairs i don't think humans are smart enough for apple watches yet or the sinking of things particularly like old devices that you can charge up again and still see people's eye messages or emails or whatever is going on beyond the apple watch the apple watch is definitely a key character in this story we have another key player in the story and it is the salad and the salad dressing so if you've seen the memes around if you've Heard the stuff about Olivia Wilde's salad. will give you the gist. Apparently, Jason Sudeikis was particularly aggrieved that his fiancé was not just allegedly having an affair with Harry Styles, you know, the world's biggest pop star, he was upset that she was making him the family's very sacred salad with its very special dressing. Now, apparently, Olivia was planning on taking the salad one night with the special dressing to Harry. When Jason realised this to try and stop her from leaving the family home, according to the nanny, Jason decided to lie under Olivia's car so she physically couldn't back out of the driveway to go see Harry. Another troubling element of that allegation is that Jason was filming Olivia which feels incredibly controlling like whatever you think about a potential affair to the side filming your partner feels a little inexcusable to me. Yeah, and
1: that detail, the salad dressing detail, had the internet in an absolute stranglehold. (laughs) People were genuinely wondering, what is this salad dressing? (laughs) What is in it? Is it a classic vinaigrette? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And what Olivia Wilde ended up doing in response to this part of the story essentially being memified is yesterday, and I know this will fuck with our timeline a little bit because it wasn't the first thing she kind of did acknowledging this story, but stay with me. That's okay, we're with you. Yeah, so she posted on her Instagram stories a passive from the book heartburn by nora efron great book by the way where there is a salad dressing recipe now Mm. whether or not that is the salad dressing (laughs) recipe or not remains to be seen it's just a
0: vinaigrette it's nothing out of this sexy or special No, it's all
1: right but i think i saw this i saw the fact that olivia posted that on her stories and i thought my first thought was clunky yeah. Because I saw memes of people being like, she should just upload the recipe and I delete her I think we posted phone. that meme on yes. And I think maybe that's <laughs> kind of why it felt clunky because it's like, it kind of feels like you've seen funny commentary and being like, oh, I want to be funny. But I don't know if you can be funny about this Just as you're coming out and slamming this story, which we will get to that statement in a second.
0: Yeah, you can't simultaneously poke fun at something and make it a joke whilst you are taking it very seriously and vocalising that at the same time. Like, there's something a bit incongruous about this. I don't know. I I saw it and I more just felt confused. Like, I was really, really surprised That she posted that. Yes, that that was the angle she was going to take. But then is she never going to win? Like, is she just like anything she does right now will be wrong? Yes. I
1: I think it's much harder to be right. But I I have been wondering over the last Mm. few months, like, Who is advising her? I did think she did okay during the Venice Film Festival. I thought her and Harry did pretty well separating themselves. But in the last few days with this kind of stuff, I'm like, who is in your PR team?
0: Yeah. And I would wonder, or I'd pose the question, doesn't matter who's trying to advise her. She might not be listening. I, I reckon she would be. I do think there are some Hollywood celebrities who have built careers for themselves and have pretty big egos that come with that and think they know what's best. I don't think what we've seen from her over the last four months is coming from a PR expert. It's coming from a bit of a rogue celeb. No,
1: I do not think she's rogue at all. One she's for too, your say
0: Friday. She's too
1: considered to be rogue. I do think she's just getting bad advice. Regardless, back to the salad dressing itself. We were having a conversation at our desks yesterday, Mish, and you were like, "I can't imagine the salad dressing being a sticking point for me." Yes. Well, you're confused by it, right? You've kind of read the salad dressing stuff and gone, "I don't get it." It's not that I don't get it. It was more like the conversation I had with you when you were like, "I could imagine getting upset about the salad dressing," and I was like, "I don't think I'd be upset about the salad dressing."
0: No. <laughs> I think it's for me if a partner betrays you in this way, if something so massive happens in your life, I know that I tend to focus on small things that are kind of representative of the problem as a whole. I know it sounds so silly. I know it sounds ridiculous. And of course it's memeable for the salad to kind of take off online, but... If I saw my partner who had made me and our kids this particular meal for years and this was like a family meal, which I have in my family, like a risotto that I make for Mitch and it's our favorite food to eat together, whatever. It's our special risotto that we love as a comfort food. If I then saw Mitch try and prepare that risotto without me to go take to another woman, I would laser focus on that to be kind of emblematic of all the betrayal that he has been carrying out. Like this is emblematic of how much you have left me and how much you have been betraying me behind my back. I can see why the salad is such a sticking point because it's so specific. Yeah, no, I get that. I think for me, it's like, I probably just would have cracked it a few times
1: before we got to the salad dressing.
0: (laughs) By the time the salad dressing comes up, I'm like, oh, that old thing. And I would not be lying under someone's car as well to stop them from going. But I think the salad's specificity and how specific and niche it is, it's not surprising to me that someone's mind would be like velcro for a detail like that
1: yeah now the nanny further alleged that Sadeka swiftly banned her from listening to any of Harry Styles music in his house or around his kids after he found out that Olivia was dating Harry now another thing that or one twist that we don't quite know what to make sense of though is this and this is a quote from the nanny The thing about that was when Olivia left Jason, as she was filming and going out with Harry, she was still leaving him voicemails and texts saying she loved him and he was her everything. He let me read them and hear them. When I saw Olivia holding hands as a couple with Harry, I couldn't believe it. Just a month before when we were in LA, she was sending Jason messages saying she loved him. A
0: particularly weird part of the story that those messages might have still been going back and forth or voicemails professing like undying love for each other, like overlapping timelines, if that is true. It's just a really interesting element. The nanny also alleges that she was essentially put in the middle of Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis. She says that she voiced a concern that she was being put in the middle as a middleman to Jason and she gave the Daily Mail a screenshot of what she says was a text exchange where it appears that Jason sent her a text that read, you are a good person with an amazing heart. Please don't think for a second you will be punished for any of this. Love will win hashtag believe (laughs) (laughs) sorry if that is a real text message and again we don't know if it is who sends someone love will win hashtag believe earnestly Wasn't he in your past basket, Annabelle, for a time? For a a moment. I'm just putting that out there.
1: Now, the nanny also says that Jason Sudeikis put her in sessions with his life coach, which I also find bizarre, who she says peppered her with questions about Olivia Wilde. She also says he demanded she not contact Olivia, and when he found out that the nanny and Olivia had exchanged text messages, he kind of went into a bit of a drunken rage and fired her, and that was February 1, 2021. The nanny told Daily Mail that he said to her, you're going to get your stuff and get out. Why are you sending her messages? To which she said, Jason, you've been drinking and I can tell that you're drunk. You're very angry and I'm afraid of you. You can kind of imagine reading this story, what the incentive is, the more you read for the nanny to tell this story, whether it's true or not, because she says that, her experience is that they abandoned her as an employee despite her working for them for three years and she didn't get any severance payout or anything. Now, to give some context on that, the story goes that she did resign from the job because she was feeling caught between Olivia and Jason and agreed to stay on until they found a nanny. Jason kind of brought forward that Mm. exit date in that alleged drunken rage. And so, alas, that's why she's saying she was fired and Olivia and Jason are saying she resigned because – kind of both things are true.
0: Yeah, you can kind of see it from both sides there for sure. Despite the fact that Jason apparently fired her, the nanny said, I do have sympathy for Jason because I lived with him and saw him every day and we had a lot of good times, but the bad times were really bad. I feel for Jason because he really wanted to make things work. He tried. He left everything to go to therapy and to try harder to do better and it didn't work out. Now, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis are not at all happy with this Daily Mail exclusive. In fact, I would say they're so angry about it it's the one thing that could have unified them right now, given how toxic things have been and how much they've played out in the public eye when it comes to their split. They've put on an unusually united front with a joint statement that read, as parents, it's incredibly upsetting to learn that a former nanny of our two young children would choose to make such false and scurrilous accusations about us publicly. Her now 18-month-long campaign of harassing us, as well as loved ones, close friends and colleagues, has reached its unfortunate apex. We will continue to to focus on raising and protecting our children with the sincere hope that she will now choose to leave our family alone. Now, I think another crucial part of this puzzle for me as
1: well is the fact that the nanny in this story said she last spoke to Olivia four months ago. And at that point, she messaged Olivia Wilde asking for news of the children and asked her if she would like to mediate. And here are her quotes about that. I texted Olivia four months ago and asked if she'd be interested in mediating. I said, hi, Olivia. Hope you're well. Miss the children so much. She said, sending you love with a heart as if nothing had happened. She spoke to somebody and they sent me an email that asked what I wanted to mediate about. And I said my wrongful termination and to give the kids a proper goodbye and let them know I didn't abandon them. She never got back to me. I think that timing's important. Four months ago was the first time we started talking about these rumours about Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde. It's kind of when it went from just being TikTok gossip to making mainstream news. It was the end of July and we realised that Florence Pugh wasn't sharing any Don't Worry Darling stuff.
0: Yeah, it lands right around the episode when we were like, this feels like smoky gossip. Yes. It started to really gain momentum and that week or at least the weeks around it, was when this unnamed nanny apparently reached out wanting mediation. And I think we can all guess mediation probably involves some kind of financial. Hey, uh, ex- yeah. Yeah. Unless you just want to have a chat and <laughs>
1: <laughs> just keep texting about yeah. the case. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that says a lot about the value of this story was very high at this point four months mm-hmm. ago, and the nanny knew that. Now, another thing that we need to talk about very quickly is that people might be seeing as well, and I mentioned this at the top of this segment that this article did come with a video. It was 17 minutes long and it was an interview with the nanny. Now, it was taken down within hours of being up. It wasn't up for very long at all. And people are asking, okay, well, why is the video taken down but not the article? And I can't really imagine what it is about this video that's meant it's taken down beyond the fact that there was one thing she mentioned in the video that hasn't been mentioned in the article. And in this video, the nanny alleged something quite litigious and that was that before Olivia... Harry was sleeping with a certain other very high profile co star. And that high profile co star was also meant to be in a relationship at the time. And whether or not it is true or not remains to be seen. But clearly, clearly something has gone on behind the scenes where the Daily Mail have decided that that video cannot stay up. That detail is very risky. Because that's, yeah. Well, to be honest though, a lot of these fucking details are risky. That's what's interesting to me is. A lot of these details are very litigious. That this is the only thing that's been pulled down. I mean, makes me not want to talk about it explicitly. That's for sure. Yeah. So I think for me, considering this story, are we surprised that Olivia and Jason didn't just throw money at this nanny, didn't have her in a tighter NDA ages ago, didn't pay her severance if they were worried about her talking? Like, were they just so flustered with their own breakup and all the PR nightmares that were coming around
0: that, that they just forgot i yeah they didn't realize that this is something they should do i think truthfully with the number of pr crisis atomic bombs that have gone off in both of their careers over the last four months i'm not sure this nanny and the problems that she could potentially pose to them was given enough attention i think In any other circumstance, if a nanny's going to you and saying, hey, I want to mediate, you wrongfully terminated my employment, the average celebrity would take that very seriously and probably think about some kind of settlement to maybe get someone in an NDA, get someone... Especially having the self-awareness, I think. But clearly maybe
1: there's a real lack of self-awareness in this entire story because to have the self-awareness to realise that this nanny, who has been nannying for 20 years, by the way, that detail did catch me off guard. What's caught between her employees and that is a toxic work environment yes whether or not you agree with her selling her story now is kind of a different thing altogether but it it is a toxic work environment pay her out if that's what she's after because clearly she wanted the money that's why she sold her story
0: yeah it's such a tricky one because I'm like I don't agree with anyone kind of putting pressure on or not necessarily blackmailing but doing something close to blackmailing you to manipulate you into paying the money but I also think this would have been better for Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis to pay money up front, not have this story come out, not have this other bomb go off. I just don't think they had the mental capacity. I don't think they had the mental bandwidth. (laughs) To give this nanny the attention she probably needed four months ago to prevent this story from coming out. She also might not have been the only one. Well, that's the to thing.
1: realize the currency of a story like this. Maybe they have Had so, so many, many people, people that have
0: worked for they're them. Like something's going to come out. We just need to let it come out. That,
1: or we can't get in front of all of them. So that's but, all we can do. Yeah. One last question: Do we think this is the nail in the coffin for Harry and Olivia? Like, is this one oh. too many PR nightmares for the world's most famous pop star?
0: I think it has to be. As cold and unemotional as this sounds. Harry Styles is one of the biggest pop stars and celebrities in the world I would be stunned if he did not have a minder or a manager or some kind of confidant in his ear saying hey you love her how much do you love her because this is terrible for your image your proximity to this story as unfair as that might be to the people listening I think that's the reality of being a celebrity but what about love will win hashtag believe <laughs> <laughs> I don't think love has won I don't think love has won and either. I don't believe no guys
1: <laughs> this has been a long episode but that is all we've got time for today as always thank you so much for listening and supporting the show if you want to support the show that one step more you know what to do click follow on Apple or follow on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. that helps other people find our
0: show yeah we're so grateful Annabelle mm. anything to add
1: no no <laughs> thanks so much guys we'll be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. I love being in studio. Uh, It's good
0: to be back. (laughs) Bye. Shameless Media